Hi, and welcome to the Finding Your Power podcast. I'm your host, Kay Sky Donner, and in this podcast, I want to inspire you to step out of your comfort zone, go after your dreams, and lean into what makes you uniquely you. I am going to empower you to take bold action and to embody your most confident self. Let's step into our power together. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I have a really good episode for you today. It is with one of my friends, Chelsea Reif. She is a mindset and podcast coach. In today's episode, we talk all about habits and how they can really, really change your life. We talk about how to kind of move gracefully through a breakup and kind of getting back to you after a breakup. And then we just go into all things podcasting. She is quite literally the podcasting queen. And if you are interested in starting your very own podcast, I would highly, highly recommend working with her. But I think you're going to find a lot of helpful tips, tricks, techniques in this episode. So make sure you grab a notebook and a pen and really prepare to take some notes. But Chelsea and I actually found each other through Chelsea's podcast. This was before I even had a podcast. I listened to a few of her episodes maybe a year and a half ago or so, and I just immediately connected with her. Um, She has a beautiful podcasting voice, and I just love how open and vulnerable she is on her own show. Um, It's very inspiring. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode, and I will talk to you next week. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome to the Finding Your Power podcast. I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited to talk to you. I know we've been like trying to get this on the books, and I'm like, I am so, so excited to talk. Yay! Okay, well, I would just love for you to start off by introducing yourself to everybody. Yes, I am a mindset and podcast coach, and I really help women launch, grow, or monetize their podcasts. So it's something I'm really freaking passionate about. I love helping people not only really get their voice out there through podcasting, but work through some of the mindset barriers that come with it. So that's what I do. That is amazing, and I absolutely love your podcast. I will put all of that in the show notes so people can find you, and I actually found you through a podcast, and then now I am a weekly Friday listener. Love it, and now you have a podcast. Like, How full circle is all of that? I know, and I honestly never thought I was someone who wanted a podcast, and then I met you, and I was like, wow, this is something I really want to do maybe just as a personal diary, maybe to help other people, but you really inspired me to get my podcast out there. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Oh my God. And now here we are. I know full circle. So just speaking about the podcast, you've been talking about habits so much lately, and I'm absolutely obsessed with habits. I read the book Atomic Habits, maybe two three years ago, I think. I've listened to it on Audible and I heard that you've read it as well. And I just want to pick your brain. Like, what have you been doing to shake up your habits or start new habits, implement new habits? Let me know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I actually found the book Atomic Habits through my sister. She read it. And then all of a sudden she was like working out daily, drinking smoothies, getting in the best shape ever. And then my mom got it for my brother. And my brother was like, a total mess before he read this book and then all of a sudden he was like getting his shit together at work he was like i don't know he got out of debt he was financing he was 
like tracking his budget i'm like okay this book must be magical so then i started reading it and i could tell within the first few chapters i was like oh i understand why people love it it's really easy to follow and it just shows you the way of building habits and how to break bad ones so what really stuck out to me from that book was making things easy and attractive and when you're trying to make a bad habit making it unattractive and not easy So for me, some of my bad habits were waking up in the morning and immediately going on my phone and checking Instagram. And so I tried to break that by instead of checking Instagram, let me just delete it off my phone and I'll check it on my computer. But then I would find a way to, you know, maybe redownload it or just log on like the actual website. So I was like, okay, let me try something else. Let me maybe just check my horoscope. And that worked for a little bit because at least I was opening my phone and kind of reading more self-reflection and self-discovery type of content. But then I just realized the habit I'm trying to break is not even necessarily what I'm consuming. It's the habit of just opening my phone when I first wake up. So to make it unattractive and not easy, I put my phone all the way out in the kitchen and then I got an actual alarm clock and put it next to my bed because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and try and go check my phone all the way in the kitchen. I'm way too lazy to do that. And so it worked. So now I have my alarm clock. And also because of the alarm clock, my body clock has adjusted to it. So I usually wake up before my alarm clock too, which was another thing I was working on was waking up earlier. So I also started small, which is which is something I know James Clear talks about instead of, you know, trying to change 20 habits at once, maybe try to change one or two. So instead of me going from waking up at like 9 or 10 a.m. to 6 a.m., I was like, okay, let me just try like 9 a.m., then 8.30, then 8, then 7.30. And now I probably wake up around like 7.30, 7.45. And it takes a while, but it's, it's so cool once you realize you're doing it because you're like, it's not this big aha moment. You kind of just realize one day, oh my God, yeah, I haven't checked my phone when I wake up in a month. I haven't actually like woken up at 9am and forever I'm actually waking up early so what I did the biggest thing and I've talked about this on my podcast was started tracking it and making it obnoxious so I have a poster board I'm looking at it right now in my room massive poster board called operation glow up and I have every day of the week on there and then what I'm tracking so I'm right now tracking my movement and reading and writing because I really just wanted to commit to more reading and writing and so I try to mark off every day that I do both those things and I'm looking at it right now and in the last six weeks it looks like I've only missed like four days out of all those things usually it's because I'm traveling or hungover. (laughs) So that's actually something that I realized too was a lot of the reasons my habits were being broken was because of how tired I was after traveling or just drinking too much. So it also caused me to scale back my drinking. And now I've been drinking a lot of booze-free cocktails. So from this tracking, it's not only allowed me to embody a new identity of like, wow, I am a healthy person. I commit to reading and writing and working out, but I'm also noticing bad patterns or habits that I want to break. And just from tracking and committing it to it daily, it's helped so much. And I will say I started out so small, like the workouts, it was 10 minutes of Melissa Wood Health or a 10 minute walk around the block. It wasn't like 60 minute Orange Theory or Barry's Boot Camp. So that slow, slow commitment became so easy for me to work out. And now I've increased it just a little bit. Now I do like 30 minutes of strength training. And I also made that easy by putting my weights and my resistance band literally right next to the door by the pool. 
because I like to work out by the pool. And so right when I wake up, it's like I don't even have to go find where the weights are and then the resistance band. It's like just walk right to the door and then I pick them up and go outside to the pool and work out and then I'm done. So I loved James Clear's book. Um, to be honest, I never even finished it. I didn't get through the whole thing. I feel like I got the gist of it. And I was like, I'm just going to do what I know. I actually do want to finish it. But I found I was reading it at night and I would get really inspired at night and then couldn't go to sleep. So I was like, I need to find a different time of day to read it. But yeah, the tracking, making it easy and making it attractive have helped immensely. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> You're like, I haven't quite finished it yet, but it sounds like you've gotten everything you need out of it. And I heard him on a bunch of podcasts too. So I was like, okay, he's definitely just reiterating what's in the book and the podcast, as we know, podcasts are amazing. So I was like, you know what? I think he's just taking the best concepts from the book and uh, talking about it on the podcast. So do I yeah, really that- want to finish the book? <laughs> That's amazing. And I also get like really worked up at night if I read some sort of self-development. So it's probably nice to put it down. But that's so cool that your family, your kind of entire family had a little bit of a shift there. And then that is what inspired you to pick up the book. And I'm someone who needs the big habit tracker, like right in front of me, colorful stickers, all all of the things. But okay, so I'm I have a kind of a selfish question, I guess, something I'm interested in. So when you're tracking your habits, like let's say the phone. So you've already mastered that habit. You've put it in the kitchen. You're not looking at it anymore. Do you now take that off of your habit tracker list or do you keep it on? So the phone thing I actually did not track. I remember just being like, I need to see if I can even do this. And I think after five days, I was like, it almost, I didn't even notice it. So I was like, okay, well, then I don't need to even make a tracker for it. So the phone thing I never even had to track. I will say right now I'm tracking reading and movement and writing um, for the next four months. So I have actually not gotten to the point where I've necessarily taken something off my tracker yet. Okay. Interesting. Well, that's amazing that you just kind of went cold turkey there on the phone, but I guess you kind of made the phone invisible and you bought the alarm clock and made it very difficult to actually get out of bed and yeah. get the phone in the morning. But exactly. yeah, I'm always so curious. When do you start scaling back on the habit tracker and like start implementing new habits? So yeah, when does a habit become concrete? I feel like for me, it's usually around 60 days, but I'm always interested to know what other people find. I do think it's 60 days now that you're saying it because I know I was tracking my movement since like October. And at that point, I was just trying to do, I think it was like five days a week, 10 minutes. And I remember I was able to usually hit that. And then as I've tracked more, like I said, I've increased it a little bit where now I'm working like 20 to 30 minutes doing more strength training. And sometimes I'll switch it up and do something else. But what's interesting is I was doing this challenge with my sister and we were trying to do seven days a week of like 20 to 30 minutes. And it was just way, way too much. So we scaled it back and we're like, you know what, this month, let's just do four. But I can tell because of the habit tracking, my body is so used to wanting to work out those six or seven days that I haven't actually really stopped doing the challenge. So we actually stopped the challenge because she was like, oh, I think, you know, after a month, she was like kind of tapped out and she took the tracker off our fridge. And it's weird because I'm like, wait, I'm not even competing against someone anymore, but I've built such a habit that is like weird to miss days now. So I do think it's probably around 60 days. 
Wow, that's amazing. And that just really shows the power of habits and really committing to something because it does become so habitual and like you're on autopilot or you quite literally crave it and that could go good or bad, right? But yeah, I'm like, it's definitely something that, like you said, it could go could go good or bad. I noticed on Easter, my mom was like frantically running around, like getting the brunch ready and cleaning. And I was like, I know if I don't do this workout right now, I'm not going to do it after we eat all day. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do my quick workout. And then she literally goes, oh, like, sounds great. Good for you. Basically being like, oh, I'm like running around the house getting ready. And I just like could not skip the workout. So it was interesting because I was like, "Mm, probably should have helped my mom. But I really wanted to cross my tracker off for the day. (laughs) Okay, so everybody needs to get a habit tracker because it really does work. And the bigger, the better, the more colorful, the better, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Mine's a <laughs> And then what have been your favorite habits to implement or the ones that you think have really impacted you the most? Maybe they're small, maybe they're big. Who knows? But what has really moved the needle for you? I think the movement one, because I was always someone that never identified with being healthy especially when I was in college, like I ate like crap. I partied seven days a week. I did not take care of my body at all. And then when I graduated, I moved to Chicago and then immediately was in my master's program. And then probably a month in joined my company. So I was working full time and going to school full time. So my habits were non-existent. It was like basically just try to get through the day with coffee and bagels and Chipotle. That was like most of my time in Chicago. And then when I went to Australia in 2019, that's when I started to eat a bit healthier, but I still was so new to that world that by the time I had moved to Australia, I was 28. So being 28, it was hard for me to really accept that I could ever be healthy. I kind of was just like, that's who I am. You know, I'm the girl that eats junk food and eats tacos at night and eats pizza hungover. And I never, ever, ever identified with that healthy identity. So it wasn't until the whole habit tracking thing really in the last year started kicking in where I was tracking the movement and um, even sometimes eating like healthier foods that I started to actually feel like a healthy person. When I thought about who a healthy person is, I'm like, it is someone that makes better choices when they eat out. It is someone that tries to prioritize movement no matter what. Like even if I go travel, I'll do the workout in my hotel room or like the other day, squeezing it in in the morning for 20 minutes. And it's so interesting because, again, I just never have felt like that. And it kind of hit me in the last few months where I'm like, you are a healthy person. And, you know, people telling me that, like, wow, you eat really healthy or you're really committed to your health. And I'm like, what? Like, people think that of me? So it's really cool. I think I think that one's been my favorite and the biggest impact because it's also, like I said, made me notice other areas of my life where I can improve, which a big one was the drinking. I was putting a reason why I missed certain days on my habit tracker. So I would literally put a circle on a day that I missed and wrote why I missed it. And like I said, I noticed every Sunday it was being hungover and I'm 31 now. My hangovers are really bad. So I noticed um, those hangovers back to back were just knocking me out. And so it made me want to cut back on drinking. So now I really only drink on special occasions, like maybe on a holiday or on a bachelorette party. But I Like I said, I'm someone who used to drink seven days a week in college. So to go from that to only drinking on special occasions is really wild. And I definitely credit all that to the habit tracking. Wow. That honestly, that's so amazing. And it 
it's just so cool because it started with these like baby steps. It really starts with a decision, but then you followed through with these baby steps that were just small and easy and actionable. And then you've basically transformed part of your identity into someone who identifies as a healthy, you know, a healthy, vibrant person. And what's so cool is like, you know, when you start changing your habits, that is quite literally evidence building up your new identity. And now it's like you are this healthy person and it's just, you know, the normal thing to do to squeeze in that workout for Easter brunch. I know. And even my like digestive system is reacting differently. The other day, my mom was craving pizza and I'm like, you know what? That sounds good. I haven't had pizza in a while. So we got Pizza Hut and she made brownies. Oh my God, K-Sky. I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. Like my <laughs> stomach hurt so bad. I was cramping. I was burping. I was like, I feel like I'm going to throw up. And I'm like, this is actually my body being like, what did you just do? You know what I mean? Like we've been eating healthy for so long. What is this poison? And I'm like, this is weird because I used to eat stuff like that all the time. I'm not kidding. Guys, hot tip, 7-Eleven has the best brownies to go. (laughs) I used to get brownies from there like three times a week in corporate America. So the fact that I had one brownie and was like knocked out, I'm like, this actually means my internal state is changing too and is craving healthier foods. So now when I go out, it's interesting. I used to get, you know, the cheeseburger and the French fries and the appetizers and everything was fried. And now even like my mind doesn't even entertain it, but it's, I'm not in that mindset of, oh, I can't eat that. It's guilty. I'm going to feel guilty or I'm going to feel bad. It's truly like my body rejects it. I'm like, no, I actually want the ahi tuna salad. I want the chicken skewer. I don't want the fried chicken sandwich with mayo all over it because it's like my body can already sense that it's going to reject it, which I think is pretty cool because again, that was never the case in my twenties. Wow. That's amazing. So you're even more connected to your body now and it's so cool that it's communicating to you. I'm sorry that it's rejecting brownies though. (laughs) I know. I was like, we need to find a healthy version. I know you need to make a healthy version. I just made, a, I don't know if you know the brand Simple Mills, but I just made, they're like gluten-free, dairy-free, which sounds really bad, brownies, but they were so good. So Simple oh, Mills. definitely adding that to the list. Maybe get those. Those sound amazing. <laughs> and then I just want to switch gears really quickly. I know that you are coming out of a breakup and I have you know, a big part of my community is also healing from a relationship ending. And, you know, it's hard. A lot of my friends are being thrown back into the dating world and it's kind of crazy. And I I just want to know, how are, how did you begin this healing journey from, you know, ending a relationship, moving back home? Yeah, really. What, what, what tools are in your tool belt to help you kind of step, you know, into this new era? I will say the one thing that always helps me after breakups is propelling myself into all the activities that I kind of stopped doing when I was in the relationship because whether we admit it or not like we become so enmeshed with the person that we at some point scale back on our own interests maybe not everyone that's been the case for me so I'll just speak for myself where yes I would sometimes go to yoga or sometimes do dance and like once every six months go do a meditation class so when I go through breakups I'm like wait, I'm going to do that times 100. So I feel like I tried to identify, well, what did I not do in that relationship? I haven't taken a hip hop dance class in forever. By the way, my last relationship, I was in a lockdown in a foreign country. So pretty much everything I liked doing was on like pause or completely limited. 
So that's why when I, when we broke up, I was like, I'm going to find places where I can do that. So I think the very, very first thing was like getting some space. So for me, I actually lived with my partner and I was like, this is going to be way too hard to try to process this in the same house, in the same room. Like that's ridiculous that I'm not going to heal from that. So I remember packing my bags like the day we broke up and I just went on a mini Euro trip because I lived in Europe. And I would suggest that to anybody like get space, go to a friend's house, go to a family member's house, rent an Airbnb or something for like a weekend just to get away and like cry it out, heal, get all the emotions out and then try and put all your focus in things you love to do. So for me, traveling is such a big piece of my life that that was part of the healing journey was I'm going to travel. I'm going to do cooking classes. I'm going to take dance classes. I'm going to go lay topless on the beach in Spain. I've never done that. And I don't think I would have done that with my boyfriend. So I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go on a boat. I'm going to go paragliding. Like basically everything that I wanted to do while we were in a relationship that we didn't get to do, I was like, well, I can do that for myself. And I think that's something I I do think I'm good at when I get um, over relationships or trying to get over them is like committing to up leveling in some area of my life. I remember in 2017 when I went through another breakup, I'm pretty sure the next week I joined a gym and committed to going like three times a week and booking all these classes just to keep my mind off of it and like moving forward because at the same time I was also investing in my health. So it was actually a healthy way of processing it. And then this time, instead of a gym, it was travel. So I think that's really good advice. And it helps you clear your mind and be like, wow, the world is so big. I have so many opportunities left. I have so many people left to meet. I think that's why I love traveling specifically. It's because you just see how big the world is and how many people are out there. So that helped a lot. And then being around support system. I remember because I was traveling abroad for so long, I think I was traveling up by myself for five or six weeks, there did become a point where I'm like, I need to be around my own friends and family. Like I can't just process this alone in my head. And that's when I decided to come home and be around family members and friends that I've known since, you know, middle school. And that helped a ton. And lastly, therapy. I would highly, highly recommend everyone get a therapist. There's going to be times where you know, you've just repeated the same story to your friends and they don't really know what else to tell you or your mom and dad are just going to give you, you know, as much advice as they can with the knowledge that they have. And you have to remember our parents and our families and friends, like they they usually tell us what we want to hear. So being able to talk to a therapist and for me, part of, part of therapy was trying to understand myself in that relationship too. It wasn't just grieving. It was like there were parts of me that I didn't like that came out in certain Um, times in the relationship. You know, I don't like this part of myself that tends to be triggered when this happens. How can I work through that so I don't bring it into my next relationship? And I truly feel like therapy was the only place that I would have been able to learn that or process that. So yeah, activities, support systems, and therapy are key when trying to move through a breakup. Wow. Yeah, those that's some great advice. And I think another good reason for therapy too is because you know, healing is such a long journey, especially moving through a breakup. And like you said, sometimes your friends are like, okay, like let's get going again. And, you know, want to push you, you know, out of love. And sometimes you just do need that support system to say, actually, it's okay that you still are here. And 
um, we can move through this at a slow pace because that really is what healing is. And I also love that, you know, I know you were saying you were doing things that maybe you wouldn't normally do with your partner, but I think in the same breath, like traveling and taking yourself out on dates, that's usually things people wait to be in a relationship to do, but you were like, no, like I'm just going for it. And I think that's really powerful because I think a lot of times people wait until they're with that person to go on the trip to try the new yoga class, to go to the new restaurant. So I think that's super, super powerful, Chelsea. Thank you. And it it was definitely something that, you know, in the beginning was kind of hard because you're like, well, wait, like I wanted to do this with this person, you know, I wanted them to be here. But I think, again, the beautiful side of that was like, well, look how many people are in the world. Like it just gave me such a new sense of peace and like a reframe of like, this isn't sad it it ended for a certain reason and i think that's something important to reflect on too when you go through breakups is it doesn't mean one person was bad or one person did something wrong or one person wasn't enough it's like my mom always uses this analogy you can be you know a perfect square hole and a perfect round hole but a round hole doesn't go into a square hole and vice versa you know so sometimes um i had to remind myself of that because i think especially women again, I'll speak for myself. When we go through breakups, we're like, oh my God, what if I just said something differently? Or what if I wouldn't have gotten in that argument with him? Or what if I had just whatever done this to myself? And we blame it all on ourselves. When in reality, when you zoom out, it's just like, no, it just wasn't a fit. And that's okay. It doesn't mean either of us was wrong. That was something I constantly had to remind myself of. And I think having the downtime of traveling alone and being alone so much during the day allowed me to really reflect on that. And again, journaling, therapy, talking to friends that helped immensely too. Well, thank you for being so vulnerable and open about it because I know someone who is listening needed to hear what you've said and it can definitely resonate. And, you know, I, like I said in the beginning, I love your podcast mainly for the fact that you are so open, you are so vulnerable, you're not afraid to share your opinion, you're not afraid to change your mind. You know, I I really, really appreciate that part of the podcast. And so, I wanted to ask you because you, I look at you as like this podcast queen, like how are you able to remain so open, so vulnerable on your podcast when you know there are hundreds, thousands people of people listening every week? How are you able to just, you know, talk to that one person who needs to hear what you have to say? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for tuning in. Love your listenership. Um, I think I have honestly like three answers to that question. I think the first is I'm naturally a verbal processor. I think that's why I like therapy is because I'm basically paying someone to listen to me talk and get my thoughts out. And I noticed that's how I am in relationships too. Like sometimes I'll just be talking and talking and I'm like, I don't need advice. I don't need feedback. I don't need anything. I'm just talking this out. So I almost feel like because my podcast, I'm recording it by myself in my bedroom, right? I'm not in, I'm not a motivational speaker on a stage full of thousands of people or speaking at an auditorium. It's literally my own home and my own bedroom. So it's very comfortable to me. It's very safe. So I think that's the first part of it. I think secondly, just from a very like real tactical standpoint, I know I can edit things out if I listen back and I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want to share that yet or I'm not healed enough to be able to um, talk about it. You know, if someone wants to reach out to me and talk about it, maybe I need to edit that out. And then I think the third thing is that there's this 
I think universal myth that like no one is feeling like how we're feeling. I know personally breakups like destroy me. I get like stomach knots. I get so heartbroken. It feels like I'll never find hope again. And I'm like, no one gets this. Like no one understands this feeling. No one understands how crushed I am, how devastated, how heartbreaking it is. And I think um, through me podcasting about it, it helps people see Actually, I do understand, at least to some capacity. And I think that's why for me, it it almost doesn't even feel scary or vulnerable because I'm like, I know heartbreak sucks. I know how shitty it is. I know it feels like you're never going to recover. And so I want people to know when I'm talking about it that they have someone that that they at least can relate to. So I think for me, that's why I'm okay being so vulnerable and open on my podcast. I will say I've heard this quote before and I love it. It's share from your scars, not your wounds. So I don't think if you remember when I, when I went through that breakup and even right now it's what April and we broke up last summer. I still haven't done a full deep dive into my breakup because there's still parts, parts of it that I'm healing from. So I think that's important that I didn't jump on the mic two weeks later being like, what's up everyone? Just letting you know, here's all the details about my breakup. Let me walk you through it because I wasn't ready to share all that yet. I remember keeping people posted because people were so invested in my relationship because I was in a lockdown in Germany with this person for a year. So of course I wanted to let people know like, Hey, things have changed and I'm moving and Da, da, da. But you'll notice I never, ever dove deep into it. And I think that was very intentional and purposeful because I was like, I'm not ready to open up so deeply about it. And I think that's important for people not to try and turn all your heartbreak and grief and devastation into content until you feel like, OK, I'm ready. I'm open and I will help someone doing this. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I love that share from your scars, not your wounds. And then you have such a different perspective when you can go through and heal. And it's a long journey. I mean, it's a long journey and you can take people through it and help people um, when they're going along theirs, which is amazing. And I want to ask you, so how have you really found your power through podcasting? Because this is the Finding Your Power podcast. So I I would love to tie that in because I know podcasting is such a powerful tool. So I feel like it's funny that we're talking about breakups because I actually started my podcast after a breakup. Like I said, it's interesting that almost every breakup has catapulted me into a new version of myself. I had always wanted to do a podcast when I was dating this guy back in like 2016, I think. And again, you kind of just put it on the back burner and you're like, oh, I'll get to it one day. And I just didn't prioritize it. And then after we broke up, I was like, this is the time I need to channel all my energy and focus into something that's more creative that I like doing. So I started my podcast in 2017 and it immediately gave me a sense of purpose. And I'm naturally a curious person. So my first few episodes were all about interviewing people around Chicago. And I was fascinated with health and wellness at that point. So just being able to talk to all these different people gave me this sense of power of, wow, I have a unique story. They have a unique story. I'm helping elevate people's voices. I get to talk uh, from my own life experience and I don't have to worry about being a celebrity or an influencer or someone of quote unquote high status. Like I'm just a person that's interested in other people and I'm going to tell their stories and vice versa. So it gave me this sense of honestly confidence, especially after a breakup being like, wow, I can record a podcast. I can edit it. I can put it out there. I can market it. 
it was so cool to see that birth of, of a creation come to life. And that gave me like the ultimate power. And it's actually ended up being my job, which is so interesting because I think I found so much power in it. And I watched people launch their own podcasts and develop that sense of confidence and power too. And that's when it became clear to me, like I need to make this my mission and this is what I need to do. So it's again, very interesting that that's kind of how I found my purpose and my power. And it's what I like doing now and helping people do that. Wow. That is like so interesting in full circle that it started with a breakup. And that is the reason you were like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm finally going to take a chance on myself and do something creative and something that feels good to me. That's amazing. And so- I know. So interesting. <laughs> By the way, my ex ended up reaching out being like, congrats on your podcast. Da, da, da. I was like, uh, thanks. I've moved on. Block. Bye. <laughs> so it's so funny because I'm like, the podcast ended up being like the thing that kind of made him reach back out. And I was like, nope, I've moved on. I found my confidence again. Bye. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's actually crazy. So he tuned in and listened to your podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was wild. Was that something you were nervous about? People like your ex listening in or were you like, nope, this is, this is just for me? No, I think, you know what I will say with that specific ex, I didn't care because it ended badly. And I was like, I don't care what he thinks. Like, I, I literally don't care. I I will talk about him if I want to talk about him. I never use specifics or names because I'm like, it doesn't need to get that, you know, granular. Um, But I will say in my most recent relationship, it ended fine. And so when I talk about a breakup, like if I ever eventually do, it's not going to be like throwing him under the bus or getting crazy and wild and you know trying to slander him or anything like that and so for me I think that one's a little bit different because you're like do I even need to talk about it if it ended okay and you know if he does tune in what would he think I think it's it's actually almost weird when it ends okay because you're like I actually do kind of care if he listens so it's kind of interesting yeah, that is very interesting. Well, I'm sure when the time is right, you are going to navigate it very well. And I'm wondering, so if there is someone out there and they're either nervous to start a podcast or they're feeling overwhelmed, that they don't know where to start, what should they do? How can they work with you? Give them all the deets. Absolutely. I will say just a piece of advice is just launch and then adjust. There is no such thing as having a perfect go your first try. If you look at anything in your life, if you were to learn how to play the piano, you would not be performing at a recital after lesson one. If you took a Spanish class, you would not be fluent after one class. Same thing with podcasting. You're not going to get it right after your first time recording. But the fact that you are taking that step, it's kind of like Atomic Habits, bringing it back full circle. You take one step and then all of a sudden you've done 20 episodes. All of a sudden you've done 100. And now you're like identifying the excuse me, identifying as a podcaster. So launch it, adjust it, and just get it out there. There's going to be nothing to tweak or edit or fix if you don't even have a product to work with. So that's always my advice to everyone is like, let's just get your first episode up. And then from there, we can build on that and you'll gain momentum by just moving one foot in front of the other. So that's just a piece of advice. And then if anyone wants to work with me, they can head to my website, chelsearife.com or at Chelsea Rife. My podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion. You can find it on Spotify or Apple. And I work with private clients. I also have a group course called Mic Drop. And I'm offering VIP days where we'll work together for a day on a specific topic like interviewing or pitching or monetizing. And I'm taking on two a month. So if you're interested in any of those, again, head to my website or DM me at Chelsea Rife.
Oh my gosh, that's so cool that you're doing VIP days. So is that just for someone who's like, I want to get down to the nitty gritty, like, let's just go, baby. What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, definitely. It's like the people that don't want to work long term together for six months or either don't have the budget or you want to laser focus on one topic. So I realized, for example, some people want to get better at interviewing or they want to learn just how to pitch brands and they don't necessarily need a six month container. This VIP day, we work together for four hours and we just laser focus on that topic to make sure when you're done with the day, you're equipped and ready to go. So this is people that love that instant result, instant gratification, just want that quick lesson and going to apply it. That's perfect for the VIP days are perfect for someone like that. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I have gone through the course mic drop. It is really, really good. I was actually inspired to start my podcast, like I said, by Chelsea. And I can definitely say there are so many helpful things in there. I really like the interviewing section, just how to ask good questions. I need to get better at that. But it is something I will always, always refer back to, which is really cool. And then you said by the time this episode airs, you're going to have a self-paced version, which is really cool. Yes, exactly. And I will say the videos are short. I'm not one of these people that does like 105 minute workshop videos. It's like, here's how to find the microphone you need. Here's how to interview. It's very quick and to the point. So I really tried to make it short and digestible. So I'm glad that you liked it, K-Sky. That's amazing. Okay, well, I have one last question for you. What are you looking forward to most in the next few months? Anything exciting coming up? Oh, 100%. I booked this trip called Remote Year. As you heard earlier in the podcast, I love, love, love traveling. I actually have a little airplane tattoo on me. It's like my favorite thing on earth. So Remote Year is basically like study abroad for adults that are freelancers or entrepreneurs. You basically go on this trip together for four months. Um, They also have like one month trips and 12 month trips, which is really cool too. And so I'm going to South Africa, Portugal, Croatia, and Spain, one month each traveling with this group of creatives and entrepreneurs. So I am stoked about that because I've been living at home for like 10 months and I cannot wait to spread my wings and get back out in the world and be around other entrepreneurs. So that is what I'm looking forward to. Ah, that'll be so nice. And I can't wait to hear all about it. And I'm sure you are going to be podcasting along the whole trip. So that's really exciting. And will you just give everyone um, one last time where they can find you? And I'm going to put it all in the show notes. So um, you don't have to worry if you don't listen to this part. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. At Chelsea Rife or ChelseaRife.com. And I'm an open book. You want to DM me, send me a contact info on my website. I'm totally open to chat. And then my podcast is in my non-expert opinion. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chelsea. It was so nice having you on today. Thank you. Bye. Bye.